chapter thirty two of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty two dear old s again let us visit once more the room from which mr walters and his friends made so brave a defence there is but little in its present appearance to remind one of that eventful night no reminiscences of that desperate attack save the bullet-hole in the ceiling which mr walters declares shall remain unfilled as an evidence of the marked attention he has received at the hands of his fellow-citizens there are several noticeable additions to the furniture of the apartment amongst them an elegantly carved work stand upon which some unfinished articles of children's apparel are lying a capacious rocking-chair and grand piano then opposite to the portrait of toussaint is suspended another picture which no doubt holds a higher position in the regard of the owner of the mansion than the african warrior aforesaid it is a likeness of the lady who is sitting at the window mrs esther walters nay ellis the brown baby in the picture is the little girl at her side the elder sister of the other brown baby who is doing its best to pull from its mother's lap the doll's dress upon which she is sewing yes that is dear old s as charlie calls her yet though why he will persist in applying the adjective we are at a loss to determine esther looks anything but old a trifle matronly we admit but old we emphatically say she is not her hair is parted plainly and the tiniest of all tiny caps sits at the back of her head looking as if it felt it had no business on such raven-black hair and ought to be ignominiously dragged off without one word of apology the face and form are much more round and full and the old placid expression has been undisturbed in the lapse of years the complexion of the two children was a sort of compromise between the complexions of their parents chubby-faced chestnut-coloured curly-headed rollicking little pests who would never be quiet and whose little black buttons of eyes were always peering into something and whose little plugs of fingers would in spite of every precaution to prevent be diving into mother's work-box and various other highly inconvenient and inappropriate places there said esther putting the last stitch into a doll she had been manufacturing no take sister and go away and play but little sister it appeared did not wish to be taken and she made the best of her way off holding on by the chairs and tottering over the great gulfs between them until she succeeded in reaching the music-stand where she paused for a while before beginning to destroy the music just at this critical juncture a young lady entered the room and held up her hands in horror and baby hastened off as fast as her toddling limbs could carry her and buried her face in her mother's lap in great consternation emily gary made two or three slight feints of an endeavour to catch her 
and then sat down by the little one's mother and gave a deep sigh have you answered your brother's letter asked esther yes i have she replied here it is and she laid the letter in esther's lap baby made a desperate effort to obtain it but suffered a signal defeat and her mother opened it and read dear brother i read your chilling letter with deep sorrow i cannot say that it surprised me it is what i have anticipated during the many months that i have been silent on the subject of my marriage yet when i read it i could not but feel a pang to which heretofore i have been a stranger clarence you know i love you and should not make the sacrifice you demand a test of my regard true i cannot say most heartily i regret it that there exists between us the same extravagant fondness we cherished as children but that is no fault of mine did you not return to me each year colder and colder more distant and unbrotherly until you drove back to their source the gushing streams of a sister's love that flowed so strongly towards you you asked me to resign charles ellis and come to you what can you offer me in exchange for his true manly affection to what purpose drive from my heart a love that has been my only solace only consolation for your waning regard we have grown up together he has been warm and kind when you were cold and indifferent and now that he claims the reward of long years of tender regard and my own heart is conscious that he deserves it you would step between us and forbid me yield the recompense that it will be my pride and delight to bestow it grieves me to write it yet i must clary for between brother and sister there is no need of concealments and particularly at such a time should everything be open clear explicit do not think i wish to reproach you but you are clarence your false position and unfortunate education have made you i write it with pain your demand seems extremely selfish i fear it is not of me but of yourself you are thinking when you ask me to sever at once and forever my connection with a people who you say can only degrade me yet how much happier am i sharing their degradation than you appear to be is it regard for me that induces the desire that i should share the life of constant dread that i cannot but feel you endure or do you fear that my present connections will interfere with your own plans for the future even did i grant it was my happiness alone you had in view my objections would be equally strong i could not forego the claims of early friendship and estrange myself from those who have endeared themselves to me by long years of care nor pass coldly and run recognizingly by playmates and acquaintances because their complexions were a few shades darker than my own this i could never do to me it seems ungrateful yet i would not reproach you because you can for the circumstances by which you have been surrounded have conspired to produce that result and i presume you regard such conduct as necessary to sustain you in your present position from the tenor of your letter i should judge that you entertain some fear that i might compromise you with your future bride and intimate that my choice may deprive you of yours surely that need not be she need not even know of my existence do not entertain a fear that i or my future husband will ever interfere with your happiness by thrusting ourselves upon you or endanger your social position by proclaiming our relationship our paths 
lies so widely apart that they need never cross you walk on the side of the oppressor i thank god am with the oppressed i am happy more happy i am sure than you could make me even by surrounding me with the glittering lights that shine upon your path and which alas may one day go suddenly out and leave you wearily groping in the darkness i trust dear brother my words may not prove a prophecy yet should they be trust me clarence you may come back again and a sister's heart will receive you none the less warmly that you selfishly desired her to sacrifice the happiness of a lifetime to you i shall marry charles ellis i ask you to come and see us united i shall not reproach you if you do not yet i shall feel strange without a single relative to kiss or bless me in that most eventful hour of a woman's life god bless you clary i trust your union may be as happy as i anticipate my own will be and if it is not it will not be because it has lacked the earnest prayers of your neglected but still loving sister esther i thought i was too cold in that tell me do you think so no dear not at all i think it is a most affectionate reply to a cold selfish letter oh i am glad to hear you say that i can trust better to your tenderness of others feelings than to my own heart i felt strongly esther and was fearful that it might be too harsh or reproachful i was anxious lest my feelings should be too strikingly displayed yet it was better to be explicit don't you think so undoubtedly answered esther and handing back the letter she took up baby and seated herself in the rocking chair now baby had a prejudice against caps inveterate and unconquerable and grandmamma nurse and esther were compelled to bear the brunt of her antipathies we have before said that esther's cap looked as though it felt itself in an inappropriate position that it had got on the head of the wrong individual and baby no doubt in deference to the cap's feelings tore it off and threw it in the half-open piano from whence it was extricated with great detriment to the delicate lace emily took a seat near the window and drawing her work-table towards her raised the lid this presenting another opening for baby she slid down from her mother's lap and hastened towards her she just arrived in time to see it safely closed and toddled back to her mother as happy as if she had succeeded in running riot over its contents and scattering them all over the floor emily kept looking down the street as though in anxious expectation of somebody and while she stood there there was an opportunity of observing how little she had changed in the length of years she is little m magnified with a trifle less of the child in her face her hair has a slight kink is a little more wavy than is customary in persons of entire white blood but in no other way is her extraction perceptible only the initiated searching for evidences of african blood would at all notice this slight peculiarity her expectation was no doubt about to be gratified for a smile broke over her face as she left the window and skipped downstairs when she re-entered she was accompanied by her intended husband there was great commotion amongst the little folk in consequence of this new arrival baby kicked and screamed out unker jar and went almost frantic because her dress became entangled in the buckle of her mamma's belt and her sister received a kiss before she could be extricated charlie is greatly altered he is tall remarkably athletic with a large handsomely shaped head covered with close-cut woolly hair 
high forehead heavy eyebrows large nose and a mouth of ordinary size filled with beautifully white teeth which he displays at almost every word he speaks chin broad and the whole expression of his face thoughtful and commanding yet replete with good humour no one would call him handsome yet there was something decidedly attractive in his general appearance no one would recognise him as the charlie of old whose escapades had so destroyed the comfort and harmony of mrs thomas's establishment and only once when he held up the baby and threatened to let her tear the paper ornaments from the chandelier was there a twinkle of the charlie of old looking out of his eyes how are mother and father to-day asked esther oh both well i left them only a few minutes ago at the dinner-table i had to hurry off to go to the office so i perceive observed esther archly and of course coming here which is four squares out of your way will get you there much sooner emily blushed and said smilingly esther was a very impertinent person and in this opinion charlie fully concurred they then walked to the window where they stood saying no doubt to each other those little tender things which are so profoundly interesting to lovers and so exceedingly stupid to every one else baby in high glee was seated on charlie's shoulder where she could clutch both hands in his hair and pull until the tears almost started from his eyes emily and you have been talking a long while and i presume you have fully decided on what day you are both to be rescued from your misery and when i am to have the exquisite satisfaction of having my house completely turned upside down for your mutual benefit said esther i trust it will be as soon as possible as we cannot rationally expect that either of you will be bearable until it is all over and you find yourselves ordinary mortals again come now out with it when is it to be i say next week cried charlie next week indeed hastily rejoined emily i could not think of such a thing so abrupt so abrupt repeated charlie with a laugh why haven't i been courting you ever since i wore roundabouts and hasn't everybody been expecting us to be married every week within the last two years by m it's anything but abrupt emily blushed still deeper and looked out of the window down the street and up the street but did not find anything in the prospect at either side that at all assisted her to come to a decision so she only became more confused and stared the harder at last she ventured to suggest that day two months this day two months outrageous said charlie come here dear old s and help me to convince this deluded girl of the preposterous manner in which she is conducting herself i must join her side if you will bring me into the discussion i think she is right charlie there is so much to be done the house to procure and furnish and numberless other things that you hasty and absurd men know nothing about by dint of strong persuasion from charlie emily finally consented to abate two weeks of the time and they decided that a family council should be held that evening at mrs ellis's when the whole arrangement should be definitely settled a note was accordingly dispatched by esther to her mother that she accompanied by emily and the children would come to them early in the afternoon and that the gentlemen would join them in the evening at tea-time caddy was of course completely upset by the intelligence for notwithstanding that she and the maid of all work lived in an almost perpetual state of house-cleaning nothing appeared to her to be in order and worse than all there was nothing to eat nothing to eat exclaimed mrs ellis why my dear child there are all manner of preserves plenty of fresh peaches to cut and sugar down and a large pound cake in the house and any quantity of bread can be purchased at the baker's bread plain bread rejoined caddy indignantly quite astonished at her 
mother's modest idea of the tea and a company tea at that do you think mother i'd set mr walters down to plain bread when we always have hot rolls and shortcake at their house it is not to be thought of for a moment i must have some kind of hot cake be the consequences what they may Caddy bustled herself about and hurried up the maid of all work in an astonishing manner and before the company arrived had everything prepared and looked as trim and neat herself as if she had never touched a rolling pin and did not know what an oven was used for behold them all assembled mrs ellis at the head of the table with a grandchild on each side of her and her cap strings pinned upon the side next to baby esther sits opposite her husband who is grown a little grey but otherwise is not in the least altered next to her is her father almost buried in a large easy-chair where he sits shaking his head from time to time and smiling vacantly at the children then come emily and charlie at the foot and at his other hand caddy and kinch kinch the invincible kinch the dirty kinch the mischievous now metamorphosed into a full-blown dandy with faultless linen elegant vest and fashionably cut coat oh kinch what a change from the most shabby and careless of all boys to a consummate exquisite with heavy gold watch and eyeglasses and who has been known to dress regularly twice a day there was a mighty pouring out of tea at mrs ellis's end of the table and baby of course had to be served first with some milk and bread between her and the cat intimate relations seemed to exist for by their united efforts the first cat was soon disposed of and baby was clamouring for the second before the elder portions of the family had been once served round with tea charlie and emily ate little and whispered a great deal but kinch the voracity of whose appetite had not at all diminished in the length of years makes up for their abstinence by devouring the delicious round shortcakes with astonishing rapidity he did not pretend to make more than two bites to a cake and they slipped away down his throat as if it was a railroad tunnel and they were a train of cars behind time caddy felt constrained to get up every few moments to look after something and to assure herself by personal inspection that the reserve supplies in the kitchen were not likely to be exhausted esther occupied herself in attending upon her helpless father and fed him as tenderly and carefully as if he was one of her babies i left you ladies in council what was decided said charlie don't be at all bashful as regards speaking before kinch for he is in the secret and has been these two months kinch is to be groomsman and has had three tailors at work on his suit for a fortnight past he told me this morning that if you did not hurry matters up his wedding coat would be a week out of fashion before he should get a chance to wear it how delightful kinch to be groomsman said esther that is very kind in you kinch to assist us to get charlie off our hands and who is to be bridesmaid asked walters oh caddy of course i couldn't have any one but caddy blushingly answered emily that is capital cried charlie giving kinch a facetious poke just the thing isn't it kinch it will get her accustomed to these matters you remember what you told me this morning eh old boy he concluded archly kinch tried to blush but being very dark-complexioned his efforts in that direction were not at all apparent so he evidenced his confusion by cramming a whole short cake into his mouth and almost caused a stoppage in the tunnel caddy became excessively red in the face and was sure they wanted more cakes but mr walters was equally confident they did not and put his back against the door and stood there whilst mrs ellis gravely informed them that she soon expected to be her own housekeeper 
for that she had detected caddy and kinch in a furniture establishment pricing a chest of drawers and a washstand and then kinch had unblushingly told her they had for some time been engaged to be married but somehow or other had forgotten to mention it to her this caused a general shout of laughter around the table in which baby tumultuously joined and rattled her spoon against the tea-urn until she almost deafened them this noise frightened mr ellis who cried there they come there they come and cowered down in his great chair and looked so exceedingly terrified that the noise was hushed instantly and tears sprang into the eyes of dear old s who rose and stood by him and laid his withered face upon her soft warm bosom moved down the thin grey hair and held him close to her throbbing tender heart until the wild light vanished from his bleared and sunken eyes and the vacant childish smile came back on his thin wan face again when she said pray don't laugh so very loud it alarms father he is composed now pray don't startle him so again this sobered them down a little and they quietly recommenced discussing the matrimonial arrangements but they were all in such capital spirits that an occasional hearty and good-humoured laugh could not be suppressed mr walters acted in his usual handsome manner and facetiously colouring charlie took him into a corner and informed him that he had an empty house that he wished him to occupy and that if he ever whispered the word rent or offered him any money before he was worth twenty thousand dollars he should believe that he wanted to pick a quarrel with him and should refer him to a friend and then pistols and coffee would be the inevitable result then it came out that caddy and kinch had been courting for some time if not with mrs ellis's verbal consent with at least no objection from that good lady for master kinch besides being an exceedingly good-natured fellow was very snug in his boots and had a good many thousand dollars at his disposal bequeathed him by his father the fates had conspired to make that old gentleman rich he owned a number of lots on the outskirts of the city on which he had been paying taxes a number of years and he awoke one fine morning to find them worth a large sum of money the city council having determined to cut a street just beside them and the property all around being in the hands of wealthy and fashionable people his own proved to be exceedingly valuable it was a sad day for the old man as kinch and his mother insisted that he should give up business which he did most reluctantly and kinch had to be incessantly on the watch thereafter to prevent him from hiring sellers and sequestering their old clothes to set up in business again they were both gone now and kinch was his own master with a well-secured income of a thousand dollars a year with a prospect of a large increase they talked matters over fully and settled all their arrangements before the time for parting and then finding the baby had scrambled into mrs ellis's lap and gone fast asleep and that it was long after ten o'clock each departed taking their several ways for home End of chapter thirty two